Good morning and welcome to the broadcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. As we enter into this new year, I want to encourage you to enter in this new year with a, a word of faith, a word of hope, a word of courage, a word that professes that Jesus is Lord, that signifies his lordship in your life. I want you to begin to practice these things in your everyday living, in your conversation. Introducing Jesus into the conversation when you're visiting with people is one of the best ways to see breakthrough happen in a person's life. You can give them advice that comes from you, or you can give them wisdom that comes from the Word of God. And so getting the Word of God deep into the soil of your heart is one of the ways that those seeds planted will produce fruit in your own life. And the way you meditate on the scriptures, just grab a hold of a verse, grab a hold of a scripture, Romans 10, 9, and 10 is one we're going to talk about today. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're going to begin today with that verse. Before we start, as you get your Bibles, let me say a prayer of blessing over you for this time we have together. So Lord, I pray that your hand of favor and grace rest upon everything that we do in this broadcast today. Lord, that it would bring healing to people's hearts, breakthrough into people's lives, salvation to a spirit, soul, and body. Father, I pray that today that there will be a beginning this year of a, a year of reconciliation in, in relationships that have been severed, Father, where it seemed like there was no hope. Father, I pray that today that there would be a, a beginning of a time of reconciliation. Lord, let that reconciliation touch churches and families and marriages all over the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. So, Lord, teach us how to walk in that, that ministry today. Lord, bring people to mind as, as they need to come to mind and show us what to do when you bring those people to mind, whether it's send a text or whether it's pick up the phone and, and, and give a call. Lord, I pray that you would give us the words to speak when we reach out to connect with people, Lord. Father, I pray that there would be strategic divine appointments that you would set in our path even today. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing all around us. Open our eyes to see the wonder of your workings in our world today. In Jesus' name, amen. We talked a, a few weeks ago about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. And the thing is, when we talk about Having to stuff having to do with the mind, it can bring confusion to many people. Uh, I feel like that that people start thinking too much about their thinking, and next thing you know, they don't even know what to think about. So the the Bible talks a lot about the connection between believing and thinking, and when the Bible speaks of believing, I think many people read verses that sound like a good idea. And they can think it to be true, in a sense, in their mind. But it takes time for the seed of that thought to move from the mind to the heart. The 18-inch journey, it's commonly called. So to believe it to be true with your mind is where it begins. But the longer you believe it to be true with your mind, it starts to become true within your own heart. I remember back uh, many, many years ago, around 2006, when uh, I had first heard a minister named Bill Johnson speak, <clears throat> and I, I listened to this message, and it, it made sense in my mind, but my heart wasn't saying yes to it. 
In other words, I thought it was a good idea. It just, it just wasn't personalized for me. And what Bill was talking about at the time was the, the Lord's Prayer, the line in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus said, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And so that for him gave him a sense of authority to go after things here in the earth to take authority over it if he could recognize that it wasn't allowed in heaven. So for example, you pray for you know, somebody who's sick uh, with cancer or whatever, and you realize, wait a minute, there's no cancer in heaven. So therefore we have a legal right to enforce the victory of the cross to see healing come to bodies here. For Jesus taught us to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Now, some people would say, well, that means that, that um, God will eventually come and he will set things right. But Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 10, says, as you go, heal the sick. So he gave them in Luke 9, uh, 9, 1 and Matthew 10, 1, gave them power and authority to release healing over people. And it continued even after the resurrection, uh, after the resurrection and after the ascension, you see the apostle Paul and you see Peter uh, still releasing the power of Jesus over people and their sick bodies being made well. Think of the story uh, of Peter uh, coming to the temple and there's the man lame at the gate. And Peter says to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this man gets up and the sermons that are preached about this commonly referred to this. He says he was walking and leaping and praising God. He was walking because he was healed physically. He was leaping because he was healed emotionally and he was praising God because he was healed spiritually. So there is a depth of healing that's available that you don't have to wait until the return of Christ. You don't have to wait until you die and go to heaven to be fully uh, aware of what's available to you. The Bible indicates that before uh, the cross, uh, after the cross, and even after the ascension, healing was still available through the name and the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. Well, hearing that message, I remember years ago, it sounded amazing. I mean, I knew that God could do it. I just didn't know he would. Uh, and I hadn't seen it happen in my ministry in life too often. It happened a lot in my parents' ministry, but not in mine. So, you know, your own experience can start to diminish your awareness of what's available to the point where you think that, well, God just doesn't do that anymore. And uh, when I heard Bill talk about that, it really challenged my heart. And then it, I, I saw healing begin to happen. And the more that I, I meditated on it, thought it to be true, believed that it was possible, and then gave place for it to happen where I made room for those moments to take place. You know, you're sitting talking with somebody and they have a, oh, you know, my back's really hurting. I you know, messed up my knee, ankles, whatever. The doctors have said this about me. You know, then then introducing into that moment, you know, would you mind if we take a moment just to just to pray about this or to, to ask Jesus right now what he would say about this? And of course, most people don't mind prayer. Then there comes a point where you start to realize, wait a minute, if we've been given power and authority, that means I'm seated in heavenly places. If I'm encountering something that seems to be exalting itself against the revelation knowledge of what the cross accomplished, can I take authority? So we'd use literally those words. You know, we take authority over cancer. We take authority over sickness and disease, whatever it happens to be, to bind and cast it out, whatever you want to call it. You know, pick your words, anything that 
Anything that arrests its uh, the ability of darkness to move any farther in a person's life and replaces it with something that reflects heaven. Well, you know, philosophically, uh, you know, theologically, that all makes sense on paper, but it really it really confronts whether you actually believe it or not when you actually see it happen. When it happens and it becomes more than just a good idea, then you want to see it happen everywhere. So you start, you know, praying for everybody. You're thinking, whoa, if it can, he can do it for one, he'll do it for another. And, uh, and, and certainly it happens. The more, you, more people you give opportunity for the Lord to work in their lives, the more healing does take place. But I can tell you, I don't see it happen all the time. As a matter of fact, most of the people I pray for, I don't, I don't see anything physically, visibly change in the moment. So what do I do in those moments? Now I, I have the opportunity, and this is where believing in your mind and in your heart is really, really important. If I just think something to be true, uh, and then it, I, I try it, and it doesn't work the way that I think it should work, it doesn't work all the time, then I'll start to maybe develop a different thought to deal with the disappointment that I'm now feeling because I had an expectation and, and, and it didn't quite happen the way that I thought it would. But here's, here's how I personally stay strong and anchored in the promises of God. And that is I go back and revisit the moments when God touched somebody powerfully. And I don't ask why this person got healed, why that person didn't get healed. I just, I just come to an awareness that, Lord, I believe it's your, your will and your ability to touch every single person who comes to you for help. And, uh, and so you keep anchored in faith in your heart. Well, a lot of the things that keep us anchored in our heart are revealed by what comes out of our mouth. So if a person talks about, let's say, First uh, uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we think when we talk about like, you know, confessing things, we're talking about confessing sin or weakness or failure. But there is a, there is a side of confession that we've got to take to heart. Confessing something doesn't just mean talking about the negative parts of your life. The Word of God has so much to say about the the positive aspects of confession, the things that we speak and the power of our tongue. And if you and I could begin to understand this, it would make a huge difference in the way you live your life in this year. You know, the biggest thing that would make an impact in your life is in this year is to start speaking words that carry hope and faith and the power of what I like to call the resonant frequency of heaven upon them. There is spirit and life in those words. So Romans 10 verse 9 says this, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this has nothing to do with confessing sin. This is a prayer for salvation here. If you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What's that phrase? Believe in your heart. Not just with your mouth, not just or and not just with your mind, not just think it's a good idea, but believe it in your heart. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and then you believe that in your heart, God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. 
So there's something about getting getting the gospel just past your mind, just past your ears, and let it drop down into your heart. This this talk, this speech, the power of this as a confession doesn't refer to any confession of sin. And there's no confession of weakness attached to Romans 10, 9, and 10. This is purely a confession of the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we mentioned lordship. It's the authority of Christ. It's the godship, the deity of Christ. It's the uh, I am-ness of God in Christ. It's the reality that he is your Lord and your Savior. He is uh, uh, in, in that place of authority in your life. And, and then believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. In other words, it's not that he lived 2,000 years ago, gave us some good messages and taught us how to live and then died never to be seen again. No, God raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the Father. You and I are connected in him by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, testifying to us of the life of God in Christ. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then what happens? You'll be saved. The salvation that was paid for on the cross starts to become real to you. And this, this verse is so incredible in how it, it finishes this thought. For it says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It doesn't even mention your mind here. We're renewed in our mind, renewed in the spirit of your mind. We have the mind of Christ. But the two things at play here are the heart and the mouth. That's interesting because what comes out of your mouth, you could say, well, you know, some people just say everything they think. I I like it more when a person says what they believe because your thoughts are scattered everywhere. I mean, you can think good things, bad things. I mean, your mind is is really kind of like a, an information sponge. It's taking so much stuff in. So saying every, uh, as, as my wife's grandmother used to say, saying every fool thing that comes into your, ma- into your mind is not a, a wise way to live. <clears throat> However, when we take certain thoughts that we have come into our mind and say, I'm going to choose to believe that. I'm going to choose to dwell on that. I'm going to choose to personalize that. Then we're letting what's in our mind drip down into our heart. And what comes out of your mouth more reveals what's in your heart. I used to like to, when I I would preach the, the message, you guys have heard this message on the sound of your blood. I talk about it, about being the the blood speaking, the very core of your being. You're speaking from your deepest place, from your believing believer. Whatever your believing believer believes in comes out through what you speak and through what you say. And so it says, when the heart man believes unto righteousness, when the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know that the Christianity is called the great confession. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 says we should consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, and some notes in Bibles will say confession, we should consider the apostle and high priest of our profession or confession. And, And I think it's kind of important for us to define what this word even means. We talk about speaking or confessing something. What we speak out of our mouth, number one, affirms what we believe, something that we believe 
has now been revealed. The second thing it does is it testifies to what we have come to know and receive as truth. So what we speak that reveals what we believe also reveals that there is a seed of a thought that was planted and it shows us what we meditated on. It's kind of like it's kind of like if I if I see a person doing a surgery, right? Uh, if I walk by a hospital operating room and I see a surgeon in there, I can immediately, by his actions, tell you a little bit about his life. We can work backwards and I can say that he couldn't have done that if he didn't go to school for it. So he spent time dwelling in wisdom and knowledge to achieve the ability to do what he's doing. But even beyond that, prior to that, he just didn't walk into a door one day and say, make me whatever you want me to be. No, he thought in his mind, I am going to medical school to be a surgeon. He thought at first it was a good idea. Then he went to school and actually proved himself to be able to gain the wisdom to do it. And now he's engaged in the practice of it. So what we speak out of our mouth and the life that that we live affirms what we believe, testifies to what we know, and it witnesses, gives witness to a truth that we have embraced. That's the hardest part right there. Because in this world, there is an enemy that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And, And there are circumstances that arise in this world that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And so we have a challenge here to hold tight to the promise of God that empowers us to live in this world in victory, enforcing the victory of the cross, while at the same time there are moments of contention and tension where we don't see the promises fulfilled in some circumstances. And when we try to figure out why that is, to try to somehow look for somebody to blame or something to blame. We come up with all kinds of bad theology. In those moments where you don't see somebody healed, you go back to the promise. You go back to the faithfulness of the Lord. You go back to the scriptures and you re-anchor your heart in those moments. And then you continue to go out and represent, represent the love of Jesus Christ to the world. I think that the, if, if we get into a try before you buy kind of a scenario when it comes to the promises of God, we find ourselves not living in faith, uh, but we're looking for uh, a validation for what we claim to believe. So let's say you pray for a thousand people and only one person gets healed. Was it worth it to go through a 999 disappointments to get to the one that actually got healed? You know, the the biggest persecution I've ever had for praying for somebody, you know, out in public or whatever is simply thank you. It seems that there are people that are looking for somebody who believes in more than just what whatever will be will be, but they walk with a measure of authority taking, uh, taking dominion within the context of this world to bring about the love, joy, and peace or the righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom of God. So when people walk, uh, releasing the kingdom of God around them, uh, it releases goodness into the world, and it actually gladdens the heart. It gives people a sense of hope, and the word hope means the joyful expectation of good. We say, well, there's circumstances that happen that bring disappointment, and that's one of the biggest things that we contend with, is how to stay hopeful in the middle of circumstances that exalt themselves against the promise and the knowledge of God. So Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 gives us this word. Let's hold fast our profession or confession. 
So there's a continual confession, in a sense, of our lives, of redemption from Satan's dominion, and confession to the fact that he no longer rules us with any condemnation, with any fear, or any disease. So it means to hold fast to your confession. Our confession is the devil's defeat. Your confession of faith and promise is literally the putting down of darkness. Jesus, every time he encountered the devil, he spoke a word and the devil was defeated. Jesus defeated the devil completely and totally nearly 2,000 years ago. But what Jesus did for us legally must become a reality in our lives. What the cross paid for has got to be something we apprehend and live and enforce the victory of that. So we experience this side of the cross, but we also experience the tension of light and darkness. And you get to pick and choose which one you're going to follow, which has lordship in your life. You and I will never completely understand the word of God until you can see with clarity what I would say is two sides of your redemption. That is the side of legality, what the cross accomplished, the message of the gospel, and the side of experience when what Jesus paid for on the cross becomes a reality in your life. So here's an example. Sometimes uh, when it comes to legality, we pray things like this, God save this person or God heal this person. Okay, in the mind of God, God has already healed and saved these people. In other words, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In other words, he's not dying again to save anybody. He already died once, right? He doesn't need to shed his blood anymore. It's already happened, and it happened once for all. Legally, God has done everything he needs to do to provide for our redemption. But if we just deal with the legal side of redemption and preach it exclusively, then people may not actually experience anything in their lives. And, and that's, a, I would say, a problem today. It's been a problem for a long time, and it continues to be. What's being preached from many pulpits is legally true, but the people within the church continue to become cold and dead and, and in, in a sense, formalized. Many times we call the frozen chosen. Why? Because they've just heard one side of redemption preached, which is the legal side. And so what was paid for on the cross has not yet become a living reality in their lives. Now, on the flip side of this, we could preach the side of experience. We could preach the side of, of healing, miracles, signs, and wonders and go after that and never discover the legality, but just go after the experience. In other words, there are people out there who will be drawn to the gospel, not because of Jesus, but because of power. They don't want Jesus. They just want the power. And so there are some people that will go to preach only the side of the cross that has to do with the experiences. So then people will start to seek experiences and, and that can actually lead you to seek experiences apart from the word of God. So if they're not anchored into Jesus as the source of all experience, and they're not anchored into the cross as the source of redemption and salvation, and they don't operate uh, in, in obedience, surrendered obedience to the voice of the Lord out of relationship, 
then it's almost like we're shoving Jesus aside and all we're doing is preaching either legality or we're preaching power. So we've got to bring the two together, the legality and the experience, to achieve the two together so that you and I can enjoy everything that God legally provided on the cross in our reconciled union with him. So what God in Christ legally purchased and provided for us, when that becomes ours in experience, when we believe the word of God in our heart and confess with our mouth that it's true and that it's ours, my goodness, life changes. So, for example, you can see the legal and the experiential side of the cross in Paul's writings. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8, Paul said, the word of faith which we preach. Now, this particular expression, that word of faith which we preach, this isn't seen anywhere in the Old Testament because in those days, they didn't have the redemption experience of the cross, the ultimate sacrifice that ended the sacrificial system. They didn't have that available to them like you and I have. They, even, they didn't even understand clearly what was being prophesied about the Messiah. They had an expectation, and Jesus wasn't meeting that expectation because they didn't know what the Messiah was actually here to do. Even prior to the cross, you don't really see redemption outlined. You see experiences, but redemption wasn't actually available to people prior to the cross. Jesus forgave sins, but you know what we have because of the cross? We're made a new creation. It's more than forgiveness. It's the restoration of innocence. So redemption came available to humanity when Christ was crucified and raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. Prior to the cross, you could have your sins forgiven. But in the new covenant, the Christic covenant, we have more than the forgiveness of sins. You have the new birth and you become a new creature in Christ. So if a person sins after he's been born again, he doesn't need to be born again time after time. You're born again once, but you can be forgiven of sins many, many times. And thank God for that. That's why we have this verse in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, listen to this, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, the residual effect of that sin. That's the deal. As we begin to realize as we go through life, we don't have to live in bondage to sin at all anymore. We can live alive and free unto God. So go back to Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you will confess with your mouth that Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, when people hear the word of God preached, it challenges our thinking, challenges us to straighten out crooked thinking. The word of God reveals that without Christ, we're lost. Without Christ, our identity would be a sinner. Without Christ, we have no power to save ourselves. You can't make yourself righteous. You can't redeem yourself. So when a person finds themselves in that condition, all they have to do is simply say something to the effect of, dear God, I know I can see that without you, I'm lost. I can't save myself. I know that without you, I'm a sinner. But according to your word, I can't make myself righteous, but I thank you because you love me and you sent Jesus Christ to be uh, my Savior, my Lord. 
through his righteousness and redemption, I, I receive grace. I receive salvation. And I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins according to the scriptures. I believe that he was raised from the dead, that he is my justification. And I confess him now as my Lord and Savior. And now fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I ask you to fill me up to be your temple, the temple of your spirit. Show me why I'm even, even alive. Give me purpose and meaning in this life. And see, now that right there, that moment, whatever it takes, you, you may spend all day, it may take a, a half a second for you to say, Jesus, you are my Lord. It may take all day for you to pray this prayer to the point where you get it out of your head and into your heart, where you know it in your knower. Or it may take an entire lifetime of walking this out to realize that the gospel is more than just words. The kingdom of God is in power. And I pray that that power is in force in your life in every way today. We're going to continue this conversation as we go on throughout the beginning of this year, just empowering you to walk uh, in, in, in faith, knowing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and he's empowered you to encounter the works of darkness and destroy them with what you speak out of your mouth, the hope you release out of your mouth, with the healing that you release as you lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And listen, this is this is one of the ways that we're going to continue to grow in our faith as we see the power and the word of God become more real in our lives. Well, thanks so much for listening today. This is Bill Vanderbush, and you can write to us here at Faith Mountain Ministries by writing to Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. The address, once again, Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. Jump on BillVanderbush.com and go and download the Hebrews Bible Study and the Ephesians Bible Study. Both of them are a name your own price and will help you grow in your knowledge of the Word of God. Until next time, may the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.